We've been talking, uh, I appreciate last week and, and uh, the fact that uh, Samuel and his wife were here from Israel and, and uh, I believe that God's forming a, a new relationship there for us and we're going to pursue the Lord in that. Um, but uh, in between, we have Robert coming next week, but in between some of these speakers that are coming, I've been talking to you about uh, the core value at, at Church of Living Water, that we value scripture. And uh, so I wanted to uh, talk to you today, and then uh, Robert and Wendy will come next week, and then we'll continue for a couple more weeks. I've got a couple more things that I need to share with you about this value of Scripture. And um, so this morning when you came in, you received a resource page, and I'm going to start with that this morning. Uh, That resource page that you receive has... Uh, three websites on it, and if you didn't receive it, if you raise your hand, the ushers will get you one. Um, but there's a, a scripture on there, First Peter chapter three and first f- verse fifteen. First Peter chapter three and verse fifteen says this: "But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks." Uh, who ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. In other words, when someone comes to you and they say, you believe the Bible, I don't believe the Bible, you don't go, you don't believe the Bible? What's wrong with you? How many have ever, uh, thank you, pass those out. How many have ever um, had someone respond to you in such fashion? What? You don't believe in Jesus? What are you, a fool? Well, the scripture says the fool has said in his heart there is no God, but, but, but it's not our responsibility to point that out to them, is it? No, uh, so what, I, what I've given you is to help you, as a believer, have an answer for the hope that lies within you. There was a man named Josh McDowell. The first uh, reference that's on here, Josh McDowell, uh, back when I was a teenager, was a a man who set out to disprove the gospel. He set out to disprove the gospel. And when he set out to disprove the gospel, he proved to him that Jesus is who he said he was. He proved himself. He came to the Lord. And uh, he wrote a book called Evidence Demands a Verdict and and so on, and and, and some of that's very old. But his ministry has stayed very current, uh, and they deal a lot with folks who are atheists and folks who just simply believe that the Bible isn't true, and they deal with it from a scientific perspective. And and so if you are at all a deep thinker, you'll really enjoy his stuff. But uh, there's three websites that I gave you, the, the first one is a, a Josh McDowell's, uh, one of Josh McDowell's websites, and it discusses the following thesis. It says, we can trust the details of the New Testament to be accurate because non-Christian authors have confirmed biblical content such as people, personalities, and events as true. And so from, just from a scientific uh, or, or literar- literal perspective, uh, the truth of the word is, is, is talked about there. The second uh, reference that I'm giving you is called the Essential Bible Blog, and uh, this website discusses the top 10 reasons that the scriptures are true and reliable. Manuscript evidence, archaeological evidence, eyewitness accounts, corroborating accounts, literary consistency, 
prophetic consistency, expert scrutiny, uh, leader acceptance, global influence, and changed lives. Uh, there is a system his, whereby historians will determine whether or not a literary work is in fact uh, reliable. And uh, it really only takes a few historical um, uh, proofs to determine that a work is, is a reliable work. The scriptures have far exceeded those minimum standards. And uh, so these websites will help you just from a, from, from a kind of a scientific and, and literary perspective. The third uh, uh, website that I'm giving you is Bible Sanity, Notes on the Reliability of Scripture, and it discusses from three of those perspectives, those tests, bibliography test, internal evidence test, and external evidence test. And I just wanted to give you those things for those of you who are so inclined. If you would go and you would put two or three anchors in your heart where you could say, no, no, the scripture is true because. The scripture is true because of this, this, and this. The scripture is true, it's proven because of this, this, and this. Th those resources are available to you for those of you that would, um, that would like to have that tool. I just wanted you to have that. I felt led of the Lord to provide that for you. Now, listen, when you're dealing with atheists, let me help you with something. I discovered something that's just amazing. If you're dealing with someone who simply does not believe in God or who says, God is, prove to me that God is real. Well, we want to get in, we, we want to say, well, he's, he's changed me. You understand how abstract that is for, for a concrete thinker, uh, for, for us to give our testimony and share those things. But let me help you with something that uh, you must understand. The Bible has been proven, Scripture has been proven to be true and reliable and accurate for generations. The responsibility of proof does not lie upon the believer. The responsibility of proof lies upon the one making the claim that it is not true. Don't let yourself get backed in a corner by someone who says, God is not true, prove it to me. You say this, the reliability of Scripture has been proven time and time again. You prove to me that it is not accurate. You, the, the burden of proof is upon you. You're the one, atheist, you're the one who's making the claim. So the claim of whether or not Scripture is true or accurate, the claim that Scripture is not accurate falls upon the responsibility of the person making that claim to prove their position. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Scripture has been proven reliable for generations. The scripture has been proven true for generations. So I'm giving you some, just some practical tools, and that's only three of them. If you start searching on the internet, the uh, resources are endless to help you establish and be prepared to give an answer for, as far as just from a scientific perspective, from a literary perspective, the proof of scripture. I just wanted to expose you to those things. Is that all right? I'm not preaching that stuff. I'm not gonna, we're not going to get into that stuff. I'm actually excited about what we're, what we're coming up on because we're going to talk over the next few weeks about the correct um, way to, to use and interpret Scripture, how to handle the Scripture skillfully. We're going to talk about that for probably the next two or three weeks after Robert and Wendy come. Today, we are talking about 
this reliability of Scripture. We've talked about the source of Scripture, that all Scripture is God-breathed. We saw that in 2 Timothy. Then we talked about the value of Scripture. Uh, we talked about uh, the witness of Jesus and the building of the faith of the believer and the, the uh, moving of the believer to transformation rather than co- confirmation. Uh, the, the fact that Scripture brings freedom. We've talked about all of those things. Today, I want to talk to you about the timeless soundness of Scripture. And the only thing I'm going to do in giving you that is I'm going to give you Scripture. Scripture is the best approach and the best tool to use to establish in your mind the soundness of Scripture. Scripture is used to interpret Scripture. Scripture is used to put a foundation under Scripture. The Bible is interpreted in light of the Bible. And so I want to just give you some passages of Scripture today. They really speak for themselves, and uh, I'll try. I really would like the Holy Spirit to help me try not to editorialize too much, to be honest with you. I would like Scripture to speak to you today, but I will give you a thought or two. All right, say, go for it, Pastor. Um, And then let me just mention lunch before we do this, um, because... There is about 100 hamburgers and 100 hot dogs out there and all the trimmings and whatever y'all have brought to go with it and whatever sweets and treats and all of that. And uh, there's chili and cheese and chips and salsa for nachos with some peppers and oh, you, y'all can go home with heartburn and the Lord will bless you. All right, and then there's games at the tables and there's, uh, there's going to be volleyball, I understand, out there available. So we're just going to have a good time. We want you all to stay uh, Stuart's already uh, shared that with you and if you didn't know or you didn't bring something please don't think that there's not enough to eat there's plenty okay all right first Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 I already read it to you in your hearts revere Christ as Lord always somebody say always, always. what does always mean At all times, if you're walking down the road, as, as uh, Dr. Eileen was sharing with you a minute ago, and you run into an individual who needs prayer or who needs an encouraging word or who needs a deposit from the Lord, always be prepared. If you are at a family reunion, oh, God, help us. And, you know, in the family reunion, there's all those folks who, uh, who uh, love one another and who believe the same. And then there's always the, there's the in-laws and the outlaws, right, in every family reunion. And uh, so always be prepared to say to those wonderful family members, Jesus is Lord. Is there something I can pray with you about? Is there something I can encourage you about? Isn't that wonderful? Always. I always say with family, you, get, you, you don't get to choose who your family is because inevitably uh, one, of your, one of your kids is going to go marry someone that, that you didn't want to be part of your family. <laughs> and the minute they bring them home, you're going to go, oh my God, but you've got to realize that you have an assignment in the life of that individual, even if it's momentary, even if it's temporary, and some of y'all are praying it would be, don't do that. that even in those temporary assignments, that God is calling you to be prepared with an answer. What does he say to have an answer to? 
be able to give an answer to everyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have. I think a lot of times, not unlike uh, the example that was given earlier, that sometimes we ask God the wrong questions, I think, I think a lot of times we answer the wrong questions. And someone comes up to you and they begin to talk to you about the things of God. I had someone pull up in the parking lot one day and he says, are you the pastor? And I said, yeah. And and he said, can I ask you a question? He said, if God, how many of you have ever had that question? If God is a good God and if God really created the, the earth and if the word of God is true, then why is everything such a mess? And you know what? Wrong question. That's the wrong question. I said, to, my, my first response to him was, do you want God to make you a robot where you have to do everything he tells you and you have no choice in the matter? No. No, I don't want that. Do you want to be controlled by God? Do you want to be controlled where God says, now you're my little puppet and you're going to go do this and you're going to go do that and you have no choice in the matter? He said, no, I don't want that. All right, there's your answer about why the world is a mess. Now let's ask the real question. Do you want a relationship with Jesus Christ or do you want to leave this earth without him? Simple. All of a sudden, he's like, man, that conversation sure turned down a road I wasn't expecting. All of a sudden, we're down to, no, 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 no. Let's not talk about the world and the mess we're in. Let's talk about you, my brother. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that experience, you're standing before God. That's the real issue. Real issue is not the world around you. You're using that as a smoke screen to keep you from having to address the real issue of your life. The real issue of your life is that you're walking through this life without a relationship with Jesus. And you're letting everything around you keep you from... Addressing the reason and the issues of life. So the Bible says to you and I as a believer, regardless of how, um, how uh, mature we are in God, how long we've known Him or walked with Him, to be able to be prepared, to be prepared. Prepared indicates, the Scripture's indicating to you that you must be prepared in advance. That you must be deliberate in being prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is in you. And then you are to do this with gentleness and with respect. We're living in a world, and this is kind of off subject, off topic for a minute, but we're living in a world where believers are seen at times as highly disrespectful. And in anything but gentle. And I understand the times that we live in. And I understand that you as believers feel like, uh, like some of your rights and your privileges and the things that you believe in, the things that we love and that we hold to are being stripped away from us in, in our culture. And I, I get it. Hey, I get it. 
but the scripture tells us that the answer that we are to come with is to be delivered in gentleness and respect. So we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 a, a few weeks back, all scripture is God-breathed. Somebody say all. all. That's, a, that's ki- kind of the same thing. I, I want you to pay attention to words like this in scripture, but this is kind of the same thing as, as that instruction we received a minute ago, always be prepared. This is all scripture all. That means that there's not part of this that God didn't breathe. And you've got to understand this as a believer. I've got to understand this as a believer. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. All scripture. All scripture. You don't get to chop it up. We're living in a culture that wants to take the things that, that, that the culture likes and disregard the things that the culture doesn't like and we want to pick and choose and take the scripture that makes us feel good and comfortable and do away with the scripture that, and say, okay, this part, there, we're even to the point in, um, in the assessments of scripture that people are making, is it, well, God meant this, but he, he didn't say this part over here. That guy, when he wrote that, must have just had too much pizza. That was a burrito dream. No. All scripture. All scripture. Now, I want to talk to you about that. You're going to get in discussions with some people, and they're going to tell you that the scripture through the years has watered down and has been misinterpreted and misread and uh, misrepresented. Well, that may be true in some cases if you pick up a, if you pick up a book or, or you pick up a, a literary work that someone has done, and it may be true in a case-by-case basis where someone misinterprets or mishandles the Scripture. It's absolutely true. The Bible said false teachers would fill the earth in our day. You ought to know that false teachers fill the earth in our day. But we still have the original manuscripts of Scripture and some of, the, some of the early manuscripts of Scripture through which Scripture has been interpreted and through which Scripture has been translated into the languages. We still have those close early documents that have protected Scripture. And you and I need to understand that if God spoke it in the beginning, it'll still be here at the end. It will still be His Word. It will still be established because He said, My Word will never pass away. So if you, you and I need to trust, just from a spiritual perspective, we need to trust the Holy Spirit's ability to guard and protect the Word of God throughout the generations. Let me read some scripture for you. All of the scripture is God-breathed. That means when he says all, he meant to say all. When he says every, he meant to say every. When, th- when you read scripture, I was reading scripture down here. We'll get to one in a minute. Um, in First Peter, I was telling my wife, uh, it's just a shame sometimes where the chapter breaks are. You see, God didn't put chapter breaks in the scriptures. We did. All those little uh, verses and, and, and chapters are there to help us have reference points back to particular places in scripture. But there are some places where there's a, su- a flow of a subject and then there's a chapter break, but the subject didn't change. And we stopped reading because we were reading that chapter today. 
and we end up missing the deeper point of the scripture. All scripture is God-breathed. And verse 17 there says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17 says that the man of God, the follower of God, the man and woman of God may be complete. Scripture, listen, listen, listen. You need to understand this. I need to understand this. Scripture has the ability to make us complete. Scripture has the ability to make us equipped. That's what Scripture does. This is why the enemy has wanted to affront, put an affront against Scripture, against the validity of Scripture, against the value of Scripture. Uh, the enemy has wanted to rob from the church the, word, the purity of the Word of God. He's wanted to cause believers to doubt that the Word of God is true because the Word of God is designed to equip you for the works of ministry and for, for the call of God that is in your life. So, so read that, verse 17, that the man of God may be complete. How many ever felt, just felt incomplete? Is that, is that, is that only me? Or there's others of you that, that just at times in your life, you just felt like you lack. Did you know that the Bible says that, that in God, he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness, that you would lack, that you would come short in no good thing. That's scripture. So whenever I find myself wanting to pick myself apart and wanting to say that I lack and that I fall short and that I, that I don't have all that I need, I'm reminded from the word of God that he gives me all things that pertain to life and godliness and that I am to come short in no good thing. You should understand that what God says over your life is that it's his desire that you would come short in no good thing. Man, that ought to make you feel good about yourself. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 through 8. Prophets listening to the voice of the Lord, and the voice says, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? And listen to what the Lord told him to cry out. All flesh is grass. How many would like to walk down the street and you hear some guy over on the street corner going, all flesh is grass. And all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. Oh, that's an uplifting word from God. All flesh is like grass, and the grass withers. When you're young and you think about the longevity of life, you don't think the same as you do as you get older, and you go to the mirror, and you look in there, and something's withered. <laughs> and you realize the word of the Lord is true. But it's not particularly uplifting. But the prophet is told, this is what I want you to cry in the streets. This is what I want people to understand. All flesh is, is like grass, the loveliness of the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Time passes, the air, wind blows upon it, and it fades. But... 
Surely the people are like grass, but the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Listen, saints of God, that needs to become a part of who you are. Not just a scripture that you memorize, but a truth that you stand in and that you build your life on. There's a difference. There's a difference between memorizing scripture and building your life on it. Your life's going to fade away. A couple of generations down the road, there's going to be a box of pictures in some great-grandchild's house, and they're going to begin to pull out pictures, and they're going to pull out a picture of you, and and the little kid's going to say, Mama, who was this? And Mama's going to say, I think that was your great-great-grandfather. I think. I mean, only about two generations. It happens all the time. When I get my mom's pictures out uh, with her and and I've gone through them, there's many pictures in there. She's like, let me see. I think that was. You know, two generations later, and people are thinking they think they know who you were. But the word of the Lord will stand forever. Two or three generations down the road, they'll look at your picture and they'll know that you were an ancestor but won't even know your name. But the word of the Lord will stand forever. You can build your life on it. This is why it always amazes me whenever someone brings a word from God or whenever there's prophetic expression or whenever someone's going to come and and, and preach and teach and uh, and we say they're coming with a word of God, word of the Lord in their mouth and then then our response to that is, well, if I have time. If you have time, God is speaking after all. Make time. Put away Candy Crush. (laughs) Man, you helped me today. Thank you. All right, so now 1 Peter, Peter uh, discusses this passage of Scripture, and I want, to, uh, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. I want this to get in your spirit. I want this to become a part of who you are. Since you have purified your souls... In obeying the truth through the Spirit. Now, let's talk about that. Who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. There are portions of Scripture that are written to believers, and there are portions of Scripture that are written as warnings to those who don't believe. And, and you don't take the portions of Scripture that are written to those who don't believe and apply them to your life in the same context as as the scriptures that are written to believers. This is written to believers. Since you have purified your souls, your mind, your will, and your emotions, since you have let the Lord begin to purify and do a work in you in obeying the truth, how did, he, how did they purify their soul? Oh, wait, I thought it was because someone laid hands on me and cast something out. No, they purified their soul through what? Say it louder. Obeying the truth. Through the Spirit. You didn't do it on your own. You don't have the ability to do it on your own. You don't have the strength to come to God on your own. It is by the ability and the strength of the Spirit of God that you come and that you obey the truth in sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Since you've obeyed, love one another. 
This is why we have fellowship. This is why we develop relationships. This is why we do the things like we're doing today. Because the scripture says, once you've obeyed, you have an assignment in each other's lives. Are you following that train of thought there? Love one another fervently. I don't know that we do that yet. Love one another fervently. With a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Listen, listen to this statement. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Not a single individual ever came to God absent the declaration of the word of truth. Somebody said, Jesus saves, Jesus loves you, Jesus desires you, Jesus is calling you, that Jesus died for you. Somebody said something like that to you that pricked your heart and got a hold of you and made you say yes, and you came through the delivery of the truth of the word of God. So he says, you came to believe, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible we could preach on that all day, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. So he makes that statement. And then he refers back to Isaiah chapter 40. This is a good example for, for in a couple of weeks when we're talking about how to cor- the correct use of Scripture. Peter is using Scripture correctly because he says, let me remind you that you were brought through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because, he says, and then he refers back to Isaiah chapter 40, he begins to quote, all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is as the flower of the grass, and the grass withers, and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The gospel, listen, there are all kinds of people running all over all day, all, all, all over the earth right now, and they're saying things like the church is failing in its mission, and they're saying like that the gospel is in danger, and that the church is in danger of fading from the face of the earth, and Christianity is just going to fade away. You know what? They're false prophets. They're false prophets. Because the Bible said... The word of the Lord stands forever. And Peter said, this is under, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, by the way. This is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. But this is one of those unfortunate chapter breaks. Because normally, if you're reading and you're going to read through the book of Peter and you decide you're going to read a chapter every day, you're going to stop at the end of chapter 1. And then tomorrow, after you've forgotten about the the, the, the majority of what was in chapter 1, you're going to go pick up and read in chapter 2. But if you remove those chapter breaks and you read, now the word, uh, the, but the word of the Lord in verse 25 endures forever. Now this is the word w- w- uh, by which the gospel was preached to you. And then you go into chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, see that conjunction? Therefore, in other words, anytime, anytime you're reading scripture and you see therefore, I'll probably say this again in a couple of weeks, anytime you're reading scripture and you see therefore, go back again and read what you just read. Because therefore connects the coming thought to the previous thought. The coming instruction to the previous instruction. So he says, in light of the fact that the word of the Lord will never pass away, that the word of God will stand forever, in light of the fact that that's how you came, 
in light of the fact that you came through the word by the Spirit, all those things that were just said, therefore, laying aside all malice, how do I get over my bad attitude? Put it down. Lay it down. Well, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I, I'm just so angry. Lay it down. Put it down. I just really have a bad attitude half the time. Well, put it down. He said, laying aside all malice, all deceit, I have a lying problem. Lay it down. It's, it's really that simple. Lay it down. You might have to decide that every time, if you, if you actually have a, a, let me just speak on this for a minute, okay? Say, do it. Do it. If you have a problem with telling the truth, you might have to discipline yourself that every time you have something come out your mouth that is not true, that you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop right there. I shouldn't have said that. That is incorrect. The correct thing is, and say the correct thing. How many times will you do that? I, I think you could deliver yourself from lying. If you would just stop yourself and embarrass yourself a time or two. Huh? Yeah. I had a pastor friend of mine who, when he first came to the Lord, he had a, a habit of smoking. And he decided to discipline himself and break that habit because he always put his cigarettes right in his shirt pocket. So he said he put a New Testament in his shirt pocket and every time he reached for a cigarette, he read a scripture. Well, how many know that that happened at work in front of all the guys over and over again? He quit smoking. Every time he reached for a pack of cigarettes, he pulled out a New Testament and he opened it up and he read a passage of scripture. And he thanked God for delivering him from his habit and he put it back in. Well, how many understand that if you have a habit of not being able to tell the truth, that if you discipline, discipline yourself to say, wait a minute, I just lied to you. That was a lie. The truth is, and just say, I'm just, just be transparent. I'm trying to break myself of exaggerating, trying to break myself of stretching the truth. And so I'm just being forthright with you. How many know that that would garner respect? Rather than folks walking away going, man, every time he tells a story, it's so far-fetched. I don't believe a thing that man says. <laughs> right? Y'all know that guy. Can't believe a thing that comes out of his mouth. Rather than having that, garner the respect that honesty will produce. Lay it down. So he says, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes, now he's giving you a description of how to desire the word that never passes away. How many of y'all, when that baby wants to eat, that baby wants to eat? Good Lord. We were at gymnastics, and we've had Daphne for the last five days. We'll have her one more day. Rachel and Chris will be home tomorrow evening. And um, so we've had Daphne for, for five days. We took her to her little gymnastics class the other day, and 10 minutes before class is over, she runs up to the wall, and she goes, Grandma, I'm hungry. Okay, go finish your class and we'll eat as soon as you're done. She goes back, she does a couple more little jumps or tumbles, she comes back up to the wall. Grandma, I'm hungry! She did it three times before the end of class. Grandma, I'm hungry. How many understand when we got out of there, we went and took care of hungry? <laughs> as newborn babes, 
Just like that little child, when it's time for the bottle, when it's time for a, a bite to eat, just like that little child is screaming, I'm hungry! As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The Bible says in another place, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, I'm going to tell you something. And, and I'll just be honest with you. As believers, when I hear believers say, I pick up the Bible and I try to read, and it's just words to me. First of all, I'm gonna, the first thing I'm going to ask is, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Because if you're reading the Word and it's just words to you, the Holy Spirit is your teacher. That's what the Bible says. He's the one called alongside to help. So if you're reading the Word and there's no inspiration, we need to have a conversation. I don't know how it happened either, but that's all right. Don't worry about it. If you're reading the word and there's no inspiration, then there needs to come a deposit from the Holy Spirit. But I refuse to accept that a believer would say, I can't understand what I'm reading. Are you with me? I refuse. If the Holy Spirit is your teacher and you tell me that you're reading the Word and that you can't receive or understand what you read, then you're telling me one of two things. The Holy Spirit is not doing His job or you're not willing to receive from the Word that you're reading. I think the Holy Spirit's probably doing His job. And it may, come, it may come with the fact that maybe you're taking the wrong approach. Maybe you're trying to eat the whole... Uh, you know, how, how would you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? You're, you're trying to eat the whole thing rather than taking the morsels that are there. And maybe we need to talk about your approach to receiving the Word of God. How many understand that if I put a, if I take you over to Don Pepe's, oh, somebody say hallelujah. You like that place, don't you? If I take you over to Don Pepe's and I order you a monster burrito, you're not going to swallow it in one bite. Are you following me? I mean, good Lord, you know? Giant flour tortilla full of rice and beans and some of the most wonderful shrimp in the earth. I'm making you all hungry because we're getting ready to have lunch. But you're not going to ingest it in one bite. You're going to take the pieces, the morsels of the meal that is set before you and you're going to enjoy each morsel as, as, as you ingest that meal. You're going to take it one little bite at a time and you're going to sit there and you're going to enjoy as each piece of that meal sits upon the palate and you're able to taste and see that it is good. That's the way you eat the Word. That's the way you receive the Word. Some of y'all are reading whole chapters when you ought to take half of one verse. And you ought to meditate on that promise all day long. 
The fact that I said to you earlier that, that he's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. If, if somebody would go home tonight and look that verse up and read it in its context and receive those words and, and, and meditate upon it through the night and get up in the morning and think, man, that tasted so good. How many have ever had something twice because you liked it? So go back and have it again. I think I'll go read that again. Where the scripture says that you, he, he would, that you would come short in no good thing and that you would read that and say, you know what? God has determined that he does not want me to come short of any good thing, to come short in any area of my life. There are some people who'd go back to school and finish their education if they got their head around the fact that God said he doesn't want you to come short. I believe there are some people who would actually change your vocation because you would have a boldness to do something different if you got the revelation that God doesn't want you to come short in any area of your life. There's some folks who would take their spouse and sit down with someone and get some counsel and some direction because they had a revelation that God doesn't want them to come short in any area of their life. And, and they'd realize that in their relationship, they're living short of the passion and, and, and the blessing uh, and the expression of who God is that should exist in their marriage. Wow. Do you see how that one, one promise can just revolutionize and impact every area of your life? Well, if you look at the scripture and the script, this is the word of the Lord that's standing forever. Listen to me. This is the word of the Lord that is established. So if the word of the Lord is established forever and, the, and God said in his word, I don't want you to come short in any good thing, then you begin to assess in light of that scripture, where in my life am I falling short? Where in my life am I not reaching my potential? Where in my life are there places that there should be greater blessing and greater favor than exist today? Okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do about that? Because your word says that you don't want me to come short in any good thing. You see, we don't do that with Scripture. We read it and we go, oh, that's a good promise. Hallelujah. Every promise in the book is mine. No, every promise in the book isn't yours. There's some promises in there for some people who are on their way to hell. Don't take those promises. But the word of the Lord, according to Isaiah 40 and according to 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2, the word of the Lord will never pass away. So you can determine that although false prophets and false teachers and and uh, wicked theologians throughout the generations have tried to, to mess with the word of God and twist the word of God and reshape our thinking regarding the word of God. The word of God is still here today. It is still established. It is not going away. And we can still stand in the truth of the gospel that the apostles stood in when Peter was talking to them about how they came to Jesus through the gospel by the Spirit. Romans 15 and 4 in closing says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance 
and through the encouragement of the scripture. Somebody say encouragement. What does that mean? Encouragement. The, the scripture was designed to encourage you. Yeah, can you figure out from that statement alone why the enemy would not want you to understand what is in this book? The enemy of your soul would not want you to receive encouragement. Endurance. Yeah, we need endurance. And through the encouragement of Scripture that we might have hope. And then Romans 10 and 17 says, Faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God and what that literally means is faith comes through hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God and hearing and hearing and hearing 